1: Welcome to another edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham. Without Ethan Skolnick today, he is actually taking a mini vacation, a well-deserved mini vacation, as we continue uh, to ramp up to the launch of our website, do whatever it is you kids do with uh, websites nowadays, and that is uh, bookmarking. Or I mean, you follow us on Twitter. You find all of our tweets at Five Reasons Sports. Follow us on Instagram there as well. We have a lot of great content as we launch next week our brand new website. Check it out, FiveReasonSports.com. We are almost ready for launch. We should be ready in about a week's time. So April the first, not an April's Fool, not an April Fool's joke. We will be bringing to you our website. But today, I've been interested in this subject for quite a long time and I feel like we'll continue to hit on it as the summer goes on as we uh, ramp up to college football season with the University of Miami first game against the University of Florida that weekend before college football actually launches now. Uh, August 24th is the date of that game. But the new Miami and everything that Manny Diaz has done, we had a great episode that we did a few weeks ago with Zach Krantz, who recommend uh, you checking that out as well, on what the University of Miami is becoming uh, under Manny Diaz and all the changes that, that have happened as well. And just in general, for me, um, the positive outlook on this University of Miami football program compared to when we're leaving the season. We're leaving the season after getting hammered by Wisconsin, after losing some embarrassing games, I'm trying to talk myself into them being good. And I still think they had a decent defense and that's all, you know, a credit to the head coach uh, now of the team, Manny Diaz, but uh, the offense was just so appalling over the course of the year that you're kind of leaving without hope because Mark Richt was theoretically going to stay the coach and he wasn't really going to change that much. It would have appeared, but clearly something happened and, and there was a mind change somewhere in the program. They decided to change coaches, and now the the turn in the outlook, even if it doesn't necessarily lead to immediate results, uh, to me the thing that, that most stands out is is that you have a guy in Manny Diaz now that kind of looks like he's one of these up-and-comers in the world of college football? Took a bump at Texas, but uh, at Mississippi State, and now uh, here at the University of Miami has really uh, repaired his reputation. and Now as a head coach, and I think is doing some of the things, is laying some of the groundwork that you've seen laid at, at the other major schools, the other major programs like Clemson and Alabama, and and things are happening to this program that I, I mean, Mark Rick brought some of it, but it's kind of been taken to a new level. And we're gonna be joined now by Andrea Crane. Uh, who is a terrific journalist for HBO Real Sports uh, and has long time covered the NFL. She's actually a Pro Football Hall of Famer and also will get to as well. Uh, She actually had the chance to be part of the first-ever women-only commentary team for the NFL, joined Hannah Storm in the booth as the analyst uh, for the NFL Thursday night games on Amazon Prime. So we'll talk to her about that as well coming up. But uh, we're, we obviously spend the majority of the time talking about her piece that she's going to be doing for HBO Real Sports uh, on the new Miami, on Manny Diaz, and everything that's going on on the program. It'll air Tuesday night. Uh, if you're listening to this, March 26th, maybe you, you'll listen to this after uh, the Tuesday that it airs, uh, or, and, and then if you miss it, or you listen to it afterwards, then you can check it out on HBO Go or HBO Now, or obviously you can find the re-airs of HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble. So uh, Andrew Kramer is going to join us now on the podcast, talking to Manny Diaz, talking about his journey towards uh, the University of Miami, his journey through his career, and uh, also uh, we talk about uh, his abuelita, uh, which is uh, one of the more amusing uh, parts of the piece that, uh, that Andrew Kramer did with Manny Diaz is uh, kind of taking, him, uh, taking her through his backstory and everything that happened in his life. So uh, Abuelita is prominently featured and for any of our Miami listeners would certainly be well familiar uh, with that. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to Andrew Kramer who joined us on the Five Reasons podcast. Joined now on the Five Reasons podcast by the Pro Football Hall of Famer, Andrea Kramer, who's covering Manny Diaz on the next episode of Real Sports with Brian Gumble on HBO airs Tuesday. If you're hearing this on a later date, it is uh, March 26th at 10 p.m., of course, available on all these streaming platforms, HBO Go, HBO Now, if you have those as well. And Andrea Kramer is kind enough to take take some time today. Andrea, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Chris. How are you?
1: Doing great. So uh, I want to start with uh, what was your inspiration uh, for doing a story about the University of Miami football program and the work that Manny Diaz is doing?
2: Well, if you're familiar with real sports, and I know you are, we're (laughs) always on the lookout for really good stories. And for us, a good story uh, has to have a pretty high bar. And I think this one does because there's so many as we like to say, there's so many layers to this story. This isn't, for us, it's not a story just about your new, uh, you know, local head coach. It's a story that really, in in some ways, reflects Miami, uh, given Coach Diaz's background and and, uh, not just even the Cuban-American connection, uh, his dad being the former mayor, just there's so many different connections and so many different layers to the story, and it makes Makes for just a really, really compelling tale, and I think that uh, you, you get a you get a sense as to who he is as a person, and you get a sense of the whole family. I, I, I've heard from uh, several people who have already gotten a chance to see this story that their favorite character is his grandmother Elisa, who is the <laughs> one that came over from from Cuba at uh, in 1961. She's. She's terrific, and we got really great cooperation from the entire family. And uh, I just think it's—I think it's a fun, interesting story, and really gives you a, a pretty good sense as to who Manny Diaz Jr. is as a person, more so than a coach. Well,
1: what did you learn? What I would presume would be her—her uh, her known by her nickname, which would be Abuelita. She—she she, she, she strikes Abuela. me as yeah, as she, she strikes me very co- common Cuban Abuelita here in South Florida.
2: Right, exactly, and and you know she she kind of. The, the one thing that I liked about Abuela is that she, uh, she doesn't hold back. She is um, a very sassy woman, for, <laughs> especially at, at, uh, at the ripe young age of 87. And she's got a quick, very quick wit and a quick smile and a quick, very quick laugh. And she will let you know that she is not psyched that her Cuban American grandson basically knows two words of Spanish. Abuela and abuelo, which is grandmother and grandfather in Spanish. She she makes that pretty well known. But, yeah, she's, she is so – look, you know, th- th- these kinds of things get overused quite a bit. You know, oh, the American dream and things. But you know what? <laughs> if a family really does epitomize that, I believe it's this one. I mean, here's this woman who came over. She literally says that she had 10 cents in her in her pocket – her husband was imprisoned uh, under the Castro regime in Cuba, and her son goes on to become the two-term mayor of Miami, and her grandson is now the first Cuban-American head coach of of the University of Miami Hurricanes. And really, all, all, this is truly only in America. But I just think that just hearing their stories and hearing them tell it, and 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 the connection between the father and the son, and Growing up, this massive Hurricanes fan, and and look, you know, the the dad was was divorced, and and the kid would see his father only every other weekend, and they really bonded over football. And so, you know, here's a he, you know, Junior basically witnessed four of the five uh, championships that that the Hurricanes won, and he remembers those heydays and. Uh, as he's toiling away for 20 years with six different in six different cities, uh, I don't think he's ever really thinking. Well, I'm going to be the one to come back and hopefully be able to uh, rekindle uh, what we had in in over those five championships. And it turns out that that he is. He's got that ahead of him.
1: Now, one of the interesting things about the Miami program is that uh, for the longest time, uh, when outsiders were pitched for the job, it was always, no, we want someone who's come through the U.M. program or uh, has a connection to the community. And I think fans really feel that sense of even though – there are a lot of fans that didn't even go to the university, but have always kind of felt that the Miami Hurricanes are Miami's most Miami team, if that makes any Absolutely. sense. And I feel like it, one of the things that will be covered in your piece is Manny Diaz's connection uh, to that aspect of Miami fandom and understanding what it uh, what the Miami Hurricane program is all about. How did he articulate it in your view?
2: Yeah, undoubtedly. He he understood the, the swagger that was there in the 80s and the winning, and and things of that nature, and also, I think that both father and son have a really great perspective on what the Hurricanes meant—not just in the in the college football realm, but really to the to the city of Miami. Which, you know, look in the '80s, uh, you know, crime and drugs and and uh, and and racism, and you name it. I mean, it was struggling. I, I remember actually that that vaunted Time magazine cover that said "Paradise Lost." I mean, Miami was in sort of dire straits, and in come the Hurricanes and Really reflected kind of the, the the celebrity aspect and sort of the danger aspect and and things of that nature that that's sort of how history paints quote unquote the you and then uh, not having won a championship since two thousand and one obviously it fell off for a variety of reasons at least you know at least of which are, are all self inflicted problems and NCAA violations and things of that nature and you know, look, it's not, it's ne- it's never easy to win, but it's really not easy to win when you have set yourself back with with transgressions the way that the program did. And to be able to come in to understand the connection to the city, I think that's that's one of the the big things that that Manny Jr. had was really understanding what that connection is all about. Well, also remembering that, look, he left here in 1991 uh, when he started he, you know, when he started. Believe it or not, a career that he thought was going to turn him into a, a sports writer or a sports caster, and and when he ends up coming back in 2016 to be the defensive coordinator for Mark Richt, uh, he you know he had been gone for all that time, but certainly had always kept an eye on Miami. But by that time, he'd had almost 20 years of becoming seasoned as as a journeyman assistant, really working his way up. And uh, but yeah, he definitely understands what um, what University of Miami. Uh, football means to the city of Miami.
1: He wanted to be us, Andrew Kramer. He wanted to be what what we're doing. We're we're talking about sports. We're covering sports, and uh, I imagine uh, some of that background. And 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 he's talked about this before, and in wanting to, including on one of the fellow podcasts in our network about uh, wanting to uh, you know work in the in the media career, and also uh, being able to learn the, his sort of beginnings of his coaching football career from some of his colleagues at ESPN.
2: Exactly, and there's a. I don't want to give it away just because it's so crazy. There's a connection between Manny and I. He actually was the production assistant on one of the shows I worked on. And I, you know, I kind of had mentioned it to him, you know, just, you know, when you see somebody, you know, and and you you're just want to try to make them feel comfortable. Oh, you know, we were both at ESPN at the same time. And then he did something that reminded me of it and and I'm not being cute by not telling you what it is but I, you have to see it to believe it and let me just say let me say this Chris it is 100% real i was completely blown away by what he remembered and what he did so that was kind of kind of interesting and amusing but look i think that it's just so strange because he uh, i don't think it's it's in our story but he told he told me about being on a shoot in 1997, he was uh, a production assistant with Sterling Sharp, who was the, you know, the former great Green Bay Packers wide receiver who became an analyst at ESPN. And they're down at the Super Bowl interviewing Bill Parcells before the Patriots uh, Packers Super Bowl. And he remembers just listening, he, Manny Jr., remembers listening to this interview and just having this sort of visceral reaction I don't want to go on television, I want to be a coach. And of course, you're, you're sort of sitting there like, yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I also want to be a fashion model, you know, that type <laughs> of thing. So it's, and, but he remembers it. And, and this is, is, is very, very strong for him. And uh, the first, you know, you, you know, perhaps you know this, but the, when he made the decision to do so, to, to try to uh, climb the coaching ladder, he basically couldn't even get a graduate assistant job at Florida State, his alma mater. He ended up basically going into the football office, licking stamps and stuffing envelopes. That was it. But as he said, and that's pretty much probably all he was qualified to do at that point, but, it, but it, as he said, it got him in the building. And once he was in the building, he just had this insatiable desire to learn about coaching and to learn, you know, I, obviously he knew about football, but learning it uh, and, and knowing it as a broadcaster
0: or as a journalist, I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, Flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. After the
2: end of a good fight. Is definitely going to be different than learning it from the coaching level. So he uh, had some terrific mentors along the way that were able to nurture his desire to learn, and then uh, he followed them as he started ascending the coaching ladder. You know, all these all these different teams over twenty some years.
1: Now his introduction uh, to the University of Miami. I kind of want to start, or in, in terms of being the head coach. Obviously, was defensive coordinator, coordinator here for a few years. But in terms of becoming the head coach, a couple of uh, of, of, of questions along the way of that. First off, that process that brought him here, uh, it, it brought him back after he was briefly the head coach at Temple. Uh, what kind of light did he shed on that, and how? difficult that is to kind of go back on something particularly when as you know every new coach that comes in gives his whole big speech about what he's going to bring to a program we're going to do this we're going to do that and I'm incredibly proud to be the head coach of blank university and Manny Diaz gives that speech and then three weeks later he kind of has to renege on it and go back to the team where he just came from what was that whole experience like for him
2: well I I will say this um that my Knowledge of all this is obviously coming from him. I haven't talked to people at Temple. And so I, you know, that's always my kind of little disclaimer. What I think is really interesting is that when he took that job, obviously Mark Rick was completely ensconced as, as the head coach. And even though there was sort of a feeling that if there was going to be an heir apparent, it would be Manny, but there was no sense whatsoever that it was going to be imminent. I mean, it could have been six or seven years that, that Mark Rick was, was still at Miami. So when uh manny took the job at temple his first head coaching opportunity that was that was all in however the temple contract had a four million dollar buyout because temple had been down this road before even with al golden Mm. with several other coaches where they came in and it wasn't a placeholder but it was a stepping stone it was a it was a building block to a, a coaching career so temple Has this four million dollar buyout, and because they're kind of serious, if if you're going to come here, we're going to make it difficult for you to leave, and somebody's got to really want you. So at 12:30 in the afternoon on the day that Mark Rick resigns, you know Manny gets a call. He was telling, he told me the story. We it was in our interview, but we didn't get a chance to put it in the story. He was actually interviewing a prospective offensive coordinator for Temple, and the guy had flown into Miami. So here they are, and his phone is kind of blown up, and he finally looks, and it's some text messages from his wife. So, of course, he thinks I better check this because this could be from uh, regarding one of our three children. He, he calls her, and she says, uh, Mark Richt resigned, and then sort of the, the world sort of stopped spinning on its axis. At, at that point, uh, Manny realizes— uh uh oh this could be an (laughs) opportunity and i knew that what i said to him was how could they possibly negotiate this buyout so quickly and that's when he said to me the buyout was in the contract so that saved a whole lot of time and then there was some sort of some machinations back and forth between temple and university of miami as to when that four million dollar buyout was going to be paid because that's a lot of money to be just sort of like hanging around your program Sure. so and, and the one Manny made clear to me is he said to Miami, "Look, I'm not going to hang Temple out to dry. They've been good to me. They hired me. I- I'm not going to leverage that. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, just string them along here. So we need to make a decision if this is going to happen. And five hours later, that decision was made. So it was. It was pretty amazing how quickly it all came together. And what Manny said to me is that, look, Temple. I mean, were they happy? No. But did they understand? Yes, because this is the only job. This is coming home. This is this is this is your childhood team. This is the team that obviously where you just came from, and they understood. And he didn't prolong it. And I think that that's. Uh you know, with with all due respect, this isn't Josh McDaniels leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar just because he changed his mind. I mean, this is a, a very a, – I feel like this is a different situation, and I, I feel that, you know, Manny Diaz comported himself as professionally as possible because it's a long life, and you don't want to be burning any kind of bridges, and, uh, and I, I don't think that he did.
1: And at the same time, you don't want to be letting opportunities go. And yet, uh, since he's taken over, you've seen really, first off, sweeping changes that have come through uh, in the organization. Ones that I think went even a little further than I might have expected. But the other thing, too, is you've seen him develop this persona particularly on the internet of the way that he's trying to portray the program he calls it the new miami and he's you know cleverly using social media and activating you know the transfer portal this thing that we've never really heard of before but in terms Mm -hmm. of that character and that persona of the program uh, obviously i would imagine that comes with a degree of intent but but how would you describe the way that he's gone about uh, trying to image build both for the program and for himself?
2: Well. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting because with respect to the portal, uh, Lane Kiffin sure didn't agree with him on yeah. that, but so it looks like uh, Manny Diaz is certainly not going to be afraid of taking anybody on, uh, that, that's for sure. But look, I think that when you have a program that's in flux, and look, he takes over the defense in 2016, by 2018 it's second in the country, overall defense number one in pass defense, and, you know, defense is always going to set a tone for a team, right? Especially when... Uh, he, he came up with the idea of, of the turnover chain, uh, which, as, as he described to me, is really just a Cuban link, you know. And but that that that's supposed to kind of conjure back up sort of this image of this rough and tumble Miami team that we really haven't seen in in almost 20 years here. So. You, you you hear coaches say this all the time i want to establish a certain culture i want to establish a certain mindset so defensively he's got the cred now he's got to come in and he's got to figure out the quarterback situation he's got to figure out the offense he you know certainly has as that uh, you know that that is clearly a work in progress for him but if if he can be if he can establish a certain type of player a type of vibe that he wants around the program and tries to hearken back to the the glory days. I think that he feels that uh, it is it is going to set a tone and, and be a successful program sooner rather than later.
1: All right, Andrea, uh, just one more before we go about you. Uh, Obviously, again, check out the piece uh, when it airs uh, Tuesday night, which is March 26th, or available on the HBO streaming platforms after the episode airs and obviously on re-airs on the HBO networks. Um, You had the chance to actually commentate on some games this year for Amazon Prime uh, for the Thursday Night Football Package. How was that experience, and uh, would you expect to do it again? Well,
2: it was not just a few games, Chris. It was an entire sea, an entire slate of eleven right. games. Uh, Hannah Storm and I became the first, uh, the first female uh, commentating duo for a male profession, a major male professional sport. Uh, I'm the first female NFL commentator and uh, analyst, and uh, I guess we did pretty well because Amazon renewed us seven months early. We were renewed in November. I'm pretty proud of that because that's a. That's a a vindication, and it's a a feeling of you've done good and we want you to do it again. It was crazy. Obviously, I've covered the league for several decades, but to be in a position as a color analyst is is something um, that I had never done before. And, look, we think the most important thing is that we were ourselves. We were not trying to be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. That's comical uh i wasn't trying to be Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, my wonderful former uh colleagues at n b c that's ridiculous to think that we were providing a different kind of broadcast uh we're in two hundred countries so you're not you're not sure who's listening, but chances are some people who really don't know about football, so you know one of the things that I made uh really a priority was you know not just to sit here and use this football lingo that exists but to make sure that i'm explaining what I'm talking about and to make it clear what uh, what people are seeing uh, as they watch the uh, as they watch the broadcast along with us. And it was terrific. And I like to think I've worked hard in my career. Nothing like this ever. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And uh, you feel just you kind of feel just like the teams in the sense that you game day is your best day. It's your most fun day. And uh, and the rest of the week. And it's a short week, believe me, uh, on Thursday night football. It's uh, it's it's a ton of preparation, but the teams were great with us in terms of our production meetings and, and I loved it. And it was uh a, you know, it's certainly such a great compliment to something like real sports, something so totally different, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud that, uh, I was able to do it and I get to do it again next season. So thanks for asking about that.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. And, uh, best luck, uh, in the next season and looking forward to watching the story again, HBO real sports Tuesday night at 10 PM. Check it out. HBO real sports are on your streaming platforms. HBO go HBO. Now after it airs, Andrew Kramer, thanks for the time.
2: Thank you, Chris. Great conversation. Appreciate the, the terrific questions and, uh, Hope you and your listeners enjoy the story and, and happy to join you again in the future.
1: And that's Andrea Kramer here on the five reasons podcast. Again, check out uh, that piece that is going to run on HBO real sports and also uh, check out our five rings podcast uh, here on the five reasons sports network on the university of Miami. Just recently added to our five rings podcast on the University of Miami with a couple of contributors. Andrew Ivins, who's long been a part of the pod as kind of the recruiting expert, but also is going to be joined by David Lake of Inside the U uh, to kind of go more week-to-week analyzing the current team and everything that's going on while Josh Darrow, uh, the usual host of the podcast, will continue to be involved with that stuff, but also uh, will kind of take a more holistic view of the program of both the past, current, and future. So a lot to cover on the University of Miami. Check out the Five Rings podcast, but also I do want to mention again 5reasonssports.com we are not long away from the launch of our site all of our great contributors in the network like Nakai Duncan from Miami Heatbeat and Alf and Christian Hernandez, and Giancarlo Navas, and Brian Goins, and Alex Toledo. And then uh, you have Chris Maddox as well from Light Skinned Opinions, Chris Joseph from Ball, Ballscast, uh, CK from 3 Yards Per Carry. All of our contributors in the 5 Reasons Sports Network will be prominently featured in our site with daily writing. We'll also have the latest news and information as well in the world of South Florida sports. And as we always mention, we do this for free. No price to, to to subscribe to the podcast. No price to follow our great content on social media. No price to read our website. We are totally free on the website, and some terrific content is on the way as well. So, again, I don't know what it is you do. I mean, I, me personally, I'm on reading apps all day. I'm on, you know, the New York Times app. We don't have an app yet. Maybe we'll have to work on that. But however it is you are reading your content now, FiveReasonsports.com. Please bookmark it. Please be ready to check that out in about a week's time as we're ramping up. To launch. And of course, check out all the podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. I don't feel like we really give all of them their due love. So I'm actually going to try and do this off the top of my head. We have a lot of podcasts here in the Five Reasons Sports Network. So again, check out Three Yards Per Carry and the Fish Tank on the Miami Dolphins. Three Yards Per Carry. Going to be doing some amazing NFL draft analysis on the ramp up to the NFL draft, telling you who the Dolphins need to pick. Although, uh, really, with CK, it's just Kyler Murray. Uh, but I mean, we'll, we'll see uh, if Kyler Murray even gets beyond one. Uh, uh, and and what the Dolphins end up doing at 13. The Fish Tank, some terrific stories as well. They've had some great guests of late. I particularly was a fan of their Harvey Green episode, but I mean, some great Ronnie Brown was in the Fish Tank recently. Trick Daddy, which was featured on Love and Hip Hop. We have a show that was featured on VH1. Incredible. So check that out. Swings and Mishes on the Miami Marlins. Uh, opening day is coming up this week, so uh, definitely do check out Swings and Mishes. They did an episode today, or yesterday, excuse me, uh, on the day of posting this on Uh, the Marlins roster cuts and what they're doing on the brink of spring training Miami Heat beat Miami Heat look uh, on their way towards the playoffs still have to uh, ward off the challenges of Orlando and Charlotte but obviously Miami Heapy will be covering a potential Miami Heat playoff series goalie on ice on the Florida Panthers you mentioned the five rings canes podcast how could I forget my own podcast pitch invasion covering inter Miami and everything else in the world of soccer, Cinco out for the count, fantasy on five, balls cast, light skinned opinions, chamber podcast. And last but not least, the pod that I am beefing with, Smart Your Territory on the World of Professional Wrestling. So check out all the content we've got churning out, both in podcast form and in digital form, in the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And do subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Pocket. Thank you so much.